Welcome to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, we've got a good program today. We've got our regular broadcast partners, Ken Timmerman and David Dolan. What are some of the issues that we'll be covering with those guys? Well, of course, the big story or the big news story this week was the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, especially as it relates to the nation of Israel and the role that Great Britain, the UK played there. And and by extension, the Queen, we're going to talk about that a little bit and what it'll mean for Israel uh, going forward. Yes, you know, we've always said God uses world leaders to accomplish his will. That's Revelation chapter 17. So we look forward to that. I'm bringing an article to the program today uh, that Franklin Graham posted on his Twitter account, and he was flabbergasted, really, to say the least. Over a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven. A third of the senior pastors in the United States. I just, I find that really difficult to believe. I'm bringing a pastor to the program today, Pastor David Haynes, who I'll be at his church this weekend in Jacksonville, Alabama, started kicking off a conference on Jesus Christ, the prophecies pertaining to the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. And I'm looking forward to this conversation with Pastor Haynes. And then, of course, Dr. Heath Marion will be back with us talking about purpose and destiny. Those two words are interlocked together, how they fit into our world as believers. And Rick, we do have a Q&A question today on our program. Looking forward to listen to those interviews and also the Q&A. I think that's a great addition to the program as we get to interact and answer some of the questions from our listeners. Well, we're going to get started with our first broadcast partner, Ken Timmerman. Ken Timmerman joins us. He's our expert on geopolitical affairs. He joins us just about every week. Ken, thank you for joining us. Uh, Rick, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Ken Timmerman can be found at his website, kentimmerman.com, if you want to get some more information from him. But, Ken, let's get started on this week's news. Uh, the, the big story, of course, is the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Now, uh, I don't know, and I'd like to ask you, what was her impact on the geopolitical sphere, the foreign policy of Great Britain, and her impact in the world? I, I think, overwhelmingly, it was stability. The Queen reigned for 70 years. Uh, most people alive today don't recall another person sitting on the British throne. And she uh, was decidedly apolitical in her public action. She did not take sides amongst her prime ministers, whether they were Laborites or conservatives. Uh, she met with all of them uh, and she treated all of them pretty much equitably, pretty much the same. Uh, she insisted on having good relations with all of them. She did not get involved with partisan political issues. Charles, on the other hand, now King Charles III, has been an environmental activist, a global warmer. And we'll have to see whether he will continue that way, which I think a lot of people would not like to see him do. A lot of Brit Brits would not like to see him get involved in politics, but we'll see how that works out. But, you know, uh, it's that old saying, Rick, the queen is dead. Long live the king. She did, it seems, set a very good example uh, for her 70-year uh, unprecedented long reign. Well, we'll move away from that. We'll start to talk about a few of the other geopolitical issues that we have, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll start off in Prague, where there's protest against the Czech government, the European Union, and NATO. Uh, there is concern uh, among people in uh, the Czech Republic. Uh, perhaps sparked a bit by Putin agents. That's always uh, something to take into consideration. But this is also a popular uh, rejection 
of this war in Ukraine and its impact on ordinary citizens. The European Union is planning now in three months to completely divorce itself from energy supplies from Russia, cut off all energy supplies from Russia. And Russia has said, OK, don't worry, we'll make sure you don't get any more energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to lead to a doubling in energy costs. So ordinary folks living, whether they live in Sweden or Germany or the Czech Republic or any place else, uh, because of the way the EU sets energy prices pegged to those in Germany, their utility bills are going to double come December. And that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. I think it's pretty understandable. I don't think Americans would like to see the doubling of their energy prices. Look at the mm-hmm. dissent in this country and how upset people were when, when gasoline hit $5 a gallon. Well, that's what you're, you're about to see in Europe. And I think these protests in the Czech Republic are, are part of it. Well, it's interesting you speak of Putin, and we see against the backdrop of what some are saying is a substantial uh, victory for the Kiev forces against Russia, Putin says, listen, it's impossible to isolate us. We'll just turn to the Middle East. Well, that is certainly true, and uh, he's already doing that. He has just this week given preliminary approval uh, to sell up to 60 Sukhoi 35 jet fighter bombers to Iran. And uh, this would significantly upgrade the Iranian Air Force. Uh, They are still kind of struggling along with uh, some of the MiG-29s and Mirage fighters that they inherited from Saddam Hussein back a couple of wars ago. And uh, Chinese fighters that they purchased in the 1980s. I write about that in my new book, And the Rest is History. Uh, They even tried to buy Egyptian F-4s. Uh, in the 80s were unsuccessful. I had a little hand in that that deal when I briefly became an arms dealer, at least according to the New York Times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, nowadays, Putin is indeed trying to um, turn to the Middle East to uh, make new deals with Saudi Arabia, with Iran, with other countries in the region. And he says, we don't need you, Europe. We don't need you, the United States. We've got China and the Middle East. Well, there's that old adage, Ken, where they say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. If we continue to push Putin away, uh, could that create problems for us in the future? Well, look, we are in an unusual situation with the war in Ukraine. Uh, So far, there have been limits to the war. Russia has not attacked NATO directly, and NATO has not gotten directly involved in the war. But this past week, Rick, uh, may have been a turning point. Uh, The Ukrainians essentially sucker punched uh, the Russian forces occupying the eastern part of the country. They started an attack far in the south in the in the um, uh, Kyrgyzstan area near the Crimean Peninsula. Russians flowed troops down there to parry that attack. Meanwhile, they exposed areas up in the northeastern part of their occupied area near Kharkiv, and the Ukrainians broke through. And even the Russians on Thursday admitted that the Ukrainians had penetrated 50 kilometers behind what used to be the front line. So the Ukrainians are now advancing into what had been Russian-occupied territory, taking it back. Remember, Zelensky has pledged to retake this occupied territory has been occupied most of it since 2014 under Barack Obama. And uh, uh, he's now starting to make good on that pledge. Also on Thursday, remember, Secretary Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, was in Kiev uh, announcing the 20th arms package 
to the uh, Ukrainian government, bringing delivered U.S. aid up to $14.5 billion. These new weapon systems are helping the Ukrainians to achieve battlefield victories. In particular, it's this HIMARS, uh, high-mobility uh, rocket system, very, very accurate, GPS-guided. Uh, they use remote radar, so it can move very quickly in and out, scoot and shoot. They, they have been very successful in attacking the Russians at long distances, three kilo, 300 kilometers away. So we could be now reaching a turning point in the war in Ukraine. What will that then uh, motivate Putin to do? We don't yet know. Certainly, we're going to keep an eye on that. Events, both politically and on the battlefield, are changing that scene uh, on a weekly basis. Well, I'd like to move and talk a little bit about the Middle East, Ken. And uh, although I, as far as I know, there's no new updates on the Iran nuclear deal negotiations, it does seem like they may actually happen now. And I'm just wondering what's going to happen with all of that money that comes back in once Iran signs that deal. They're going to actually be flush with cash at that point, aren't they? They will be. And uh, the reports from the Foundation for Defense of Democracy and, and other think tanks are that Iran will reap a, bill, a trillion dollars of benefit mm. over the next 10 years, probably $180 billion in the first year alone. That money is going to go to supporting Iranian geopolitical goals around the world, in particular in the Middle East. It's going to go to Hezbollah. It will strengthen Hezbollah's missile forces. It will encourage Hezbollah in their uh, opposition to Israel. Remember, just, just recently you had two Hezbollah ministers going down to the southern border, going down to their border with Israel, standing up on a hillside and tossing stones uh, into Israel of course, in front of television cameras, and they posted all of this to Twitter. Uh, it was a juvenile stunt, but yet it is something that they, you know, Hezbollah feels that this is not just symbolic, but they're trying to tell Israel, we are strong. Lebanon may be collapsing, but we, Hezbollah, are strong, and we are supported by Iran. With $180 billion of fresh cash coming into Iranian regime coffers, Hezbollah is going to get even stronger. The Houthis in Yemen will get even stronger. And uh, they, and I believe we're also going to see a civil war uh, that's now brewing in Iraq erupt. Well, Ken, certainly a lot going on in this world. We appreciate you uh, being our guide through these geopolitical waters. And uh, remember, if you're interested in hearing more about what Ken has to say, or even interested in purchasing his new book, Then the Rest is History, you can go to kentimmerman.com, or you can go to Amazon. That's uh, where his books are sold. And it's definitely a very interesting read. And uh, it's it's an interesting story, lots of fun anecdotes, but it's also uh, it explains what's taking place in the world and, and gives you an idea of how things work. Well, Ken, thanks so much, and we'll talk to you again soon. Rick, thanks so much for having me. It's always a, a great pleasure. God bless. Great interview with Ken Timmerman, Rick. And I appreciate the way that we methodically go through these nations, beginning with England, the passing of the queen. I like the stability. I remind you again, Revelation chapter 17 talks about how God uses world leaders to accomplish his will. And remember, England will be a part of that revived Roman Empire that's talked about in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, uh, at which the Antichrist will come and use the, the basis of his power in the tribulation period. Well, we got to take a break, and when we come back, David Dolan with our Middle East News Update, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. <laughs> 
I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. A new media law went into effect March 1st in China, putting broader restrictions on digital Christian communities. With COVID lockdowns continuing, believers turned to online resources to do ministry. In order to not run afoul of the media law, believers have begun registering their churches and websites. But won't this increase government scrutiny? Eric Berklin with China Partners says nothing is truly underground in China. The government already knows who they are. Ask God to strengthen believers as they navigate these tensions. And many deaf live in fear of the spirit world in Mozambique. Door International's church planting teams introduced the truth of Scripture in Mozambican Sign Language. At our website, you can read about a deaf couple who used to put all their trust in tradition and charms. And then one day, the couple met Door's deaf church planters and learned about the God of the Bible. See how the Lord transformed their lives at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. Well, this is our Middle East news update. Joining us, as he usually does, is our good friend, author, and journalist, Dave Dolan. Dave, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Rick, for having me. Well, David, certainly the biggest story in the world this week is the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Now, for the purposes of this segment in our Middle East News Update, we focus on news coming out of the Middle East, and in particular Israel. So I'd like, if you could, just to talk to our listeners a little bit about Queen Elizabeth's relationship with the nation of Israel. Well, of course, Rick, her relationship was part of uh, the UK's uh, relationship which was uh, seminal, to say the least. Of course, it was Britain that was handed the mandate by the League of Nations, the precursor to the UN, in 1922 to oversee the establishment of a Jewish state, the British mandate, it was called, that Lord Balfour had promised in 1917 the UK would support. And um, British troops arrived and started uh, the process of of preparing the land for a Jewish state. And also, of course, Britain had mandates to set up a bunch of Arab states, which they did, Transjordan, later Jordan, Iraq. Uh, They had mandates in, uh, or at least interests, in most of the Gulf states. They had forces in Egypt. Now, none of those countries are Commonwealth members, but they all had close relations with the UK. And of course, she was uh, became queen in 1952. That was uh, when Israel was only four years old. 
So modern Israel has basically only known her and her father, King George, as overall uh, British leaders. But like many have noted, she never uh, she never did visit Israel, uh, and that was basically deliberate. It was considered by uh, British political forces that even though she's the head of state, she's of course was of course the symbolic head of state more than uh, the actual daily uh, you know ruling of the country. Uh, and they all advised against it. And of course, the relations between Britain and Israel were very frosty in the 19, uh, the pre-Jewish state, I should say, in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, of course, Menachem Begin was one of the leaders of the fight against British rule in the area. And lots of history there, the King David Hotel, a wing of it blown up by his Irgun group. So relations were very, very frosty. And when the British flag was lowered on May 14, 1948, and the Israeli, the new Israeli flag um, hoisted on the poles across the country, there was a lot of cheering and dancing. And Basically, the feeling was, well, good riddance. However, having said that, the relationship between the UK and Britain and uh, Israel has uh, continued to grow over the years. We did have not Queen Elizabeth visiting, but we had the first official visit uh, by a British royal to the country just a few weeks before COVID shut down all traffic in and out of Israel and, of course, around the world. In January uh, of 2020, he came. He came for the um, 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. He and other world leaders and other monarchs, the King of Spain, the King of Belgium, and others were there. And he planted a tree in honor of his grandmother, who was a Greek uh, princess who married, you know, one of his ancestors. And uh, she was uh, very strategic in Greece in saving Jews during the Holocaust. And there's a tree planted in her honor. I've seen it, and I'm sure you have, at Yad Vashem. He visited there. And he visited the Temple Mount. He visited with Abbas in Bethlehem and other things like that. But he spoke pretty warmly of Israel. But as the president of Israel at the time said, it, Reuven Rivlin said, it took nearly 70 years for a British royal to officially visit the country. Now, uh, now King Charles had been there twice before, Rick. He visited uh, during uh, Yitzhak Rabin's uh, funeral, of course, that after his assassination in 1996, and later after Shimon Peres, uh, who was then president of Israel, had been uh, passed away. So he was already in Israel, but not as an official function of the British government. Prince William, his son, was actually the first British royal to visit in 2019 on an official visit. Now they'll be closely watching King Charles III to see what he does, but he's already been and he's thought to be basically a friend of Israel's as well. Very interesting. For those that have been to Israel or have studied the history, it is somewhat of a complicated relationship. The UK and Israel, they did many things that were essential in helping Israel to become a state, but I think that there was also times when they were at odds with Israel before and even after the statehood. Well, we at Prophecy Today know the modern state of Israel is one of the greatest examples of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and we know God does use world leaders, and uh, Queen Elizabeth was certainly 
involved and had a role to play. Well, what do you think now her son, who has become king, uh, you said it's basically going to be the status quo going forwards? Well, uh, the reality on the ground is that relations between Israel and Great Britain have improved markedly uh, since Theresa May, the conservative prime minister, assumed power a few years ago. She was very pro-Israel, and she made that clear. Her successor, Boris Johnson, of course, he just left uh, office early this week. He was known as a friend of Israel. He actually had a great-grandfather who was Jewish from Moscow. And the current, uh, the new prime minister, Liz Truss, has made some very uh, pro-Israel statements, Rick. Uh, She said in an interview on Monday with the not knowing, of course, the queen would be dying later in the week, but she said there is no greater friend to the UK than Israel. She was speaking to the Jewish Chronicle newspaper in London. And um, she said she personally has lots of Jewish friends, one a very close friend who moved to Tel Aviv. He's a patent agent there, and she visited him as foreign minister when she visited Israel last year. So it looks like the political relations are very strong. And, um, of course, the monarchs are supposed to take their cue, as it were, from the elected governments, from the parliament, etc., So I think we're going to have pretty good relations in that way. But Charles is his own person. Uh, He's considered a bit quirky by many people. But basically, it looks like they'll continue uh, to be close allies. And Israel will need that, of course, in any conflict with Iran. And by the way, uh, the new prime minister, Liz Truss, did make it clear that uh, Great Britain is totally against uh, Iran acquiring a nuclear weapon, as President Biden and other world leaders have also stated. But they are a participant in this uh, six-nation talks with Iran to restart the nuclear deal. So we'll have to see if the Queen's passing and if her assumption of power all in the same week, what a week for the, the British people, if it will signal a change in the UK's position on Iran. Well, that is certainly a momentous week there in uh, in the UK. And I do know that the opposition party, we covered that on this program some, the opposition party to the party that's in power right now, the, the prime minister's party, the conservative party, uh, was uh, there was claims that there was anti-Semitism there. They were very, very pro-Palestinian. And I know they heavily criticized the state of Israel. So it is uh, it is good right now. The situation is good, but that could change, couldn't it? Absolutely. The Labour Party has many uh, anti-Israel elements in it. It, There's quite a few, frankly, Muslim members of it who are in Parliament uh, who uh, are lukewarm, to say the least, uh, on Israel. If they were to assume power again in London, and, you know, probably they will at some point. This is the, I think, third or fourth conservative prime minister in a row going back some years. So, Uh, They may come back into power, and if they do, we'll see what changes happen there. But at least for the time being, uh, there is a good situation. There are a better situation, I should say, than has been in the past. But um, there's no getting around the fact that uh, the Palestinian conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, still plays a big role in everything the EU does. And Great Britain has left the EU, but they still are part of Europe. And there's mixed feelings. Of course, the worst anti-Semitic 
incidents, attacks, pogroms, etc., in all the world happened in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe in particular, but of course also the Nazi Holocaust, and that has been not that long ago, in fact. Um, you know, Queen Elizabeth was uh, not yet queen, but was quite alive when all of that was going on. And she was a voice of strength for the British people as the daughter of King George during the war. She made some radio broadcasts, a dearly loved woman, no question about it. Um, and again, 56 countries are part of the Commonwealth. And um, King Charles now becomes the official leader of 14 different countries. Americans may not realize that, but he is the official crown in Australia, in New Zealand, of course, in our neighbor Canada, and in uh, other countries around the world. So uh, her passing and Charles' ascension will be greatly followed uh, all over the globe. Well, David, we thank you for keeping an eye on the news for us this week and uh, informing our listeners. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again soon. Glad to do it, Rick. God bless. We're going to take a break right now, but when we return, we will have more for you right here on Prophecy Today Radio. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. And along with my brother Rick, we've been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And again, let me remind you, the events that we cover with Ken Timmerman and David Dolan, those are all events that we feel as we understand Bible prophecy where we are. Uh, The events are, are setting up events that will take place in the future. The next thing to happen on God's calendar of events timeline would be the rapture of the church. I believe that's an imminent event. It's talked about. Jesus first mentioned it in John chapter 14. Paul talked about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. John, I believe, gives us the situation and the time in the book of Revelation as to what and when it will take place. And I believe that is before this time of Jacob's trouble, which would be the tribulation period. The events that we cover all lead up to future events. People always ask us, what's the next thing to happen before Christ returns or the rapture of the church takes place? Uh, I just have to remind them, there's nothing else left to happen except God is holding the gates of heaven open so that people can come to a saving knowledge of him. And I think that is so very important. We can usher in the rapture even quicker if we fulfill our responsibility. The first responsibility is to give glory to God and all that we do. And the second one, a byproduct of that is telling people about 
God's plan of redemption, reestablishing a relationship with man, and that is through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, and his resurrection, covering all of our sins, taking away our sins. So I just want to keep that in mind with you. Well, this next half hour, we're going to be talking about several different things. And uh, this next week, I want to just make you aware of this. And I want to bring in Pastor David Haynes from Westside Baptist in Jacksonville, Alabama. Pastor, welcome to the program today. This weekend, I will be kicking off a conference. Pastor, tell us about the conference. Well, we uh, started praying really at the end of last year. Uh, the last uh, conference we had really was before COVID. Mm. And guess who Guess who uh, led that conference? <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Jimmy DeYoung, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So anyway, and, and none of the churches around us have, so we just felt really impressed uh, to hold a conference. And as soon as we began praying, uh, you were the first one that uh, God brought to mind to come and share with us so you could encourage the people that it, it's time. It, it, the rapture's coming. Now, what is the conference about? It's about the the Christ. Uh, you're going to be sharing, of course, about the coming of Christ. Then we're going to have an evangelist who's uh, going to be sharing about the conviction of Christ, mm-hmm. how you know we're wicked, desperate sinners and need the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. our Savior. And then Dr. Chris Crane is going a very compassionate fellow. He's going to bring the last message on the compassion of Christ. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and that is in Jacksonville, Alabama. Uh, and maybe give the phone number for the church. Uh, if people want to come beginning Sunday night, uh, conference goes Sunday night, September 11th, Monday and Tuesday. Correct. Six o'clock each night. Six o'clock each night. And give the number to the church if people want more information on it. All right. And the church number is 256-435-6111. Or they're welcome to call me as well on my cell. It's 256-831-0499. Now, I, I think that's great. I'm, uh, I'm excited. I would love to. We have a lot of listeners in Alabama in your area. I know that the great station with Trinity is with us, and uh, they carry us there. But we're, we're on all over Alabama, uh, Tennessee. I would love to see a lot of our folks come that uh, the evenings that that we're there and that the conference is going on. But Pastor, I was talking to you earlier today, and there was an article that was put out on Twitter by Franklin Graham. And the article, uh, he brought to the attention of a lot of people, and he's a high visible person, his, the son of Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, but Franklin put uh, on Twitter, over a third of senior pastors believe good people can earn their way to heaven. And I sent this article to you, it's just amazing that we are finding a third of senior pastors in the United States believe one can earn a place in heaven by simply being a good person, according to a nationwide survey. What are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, we have to keep in mind that Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. Uh, so it, it really started in the garden when uh, uh, Satan asked Eve, has God really said? And so since that day, uh, people have tried to cast doubt on the Word of God. And uh, one interesting thing, I'd already read the article, just skimmed over it before you sent it. But one interesting thing I noticed, too, that almost at the end of the article, it said that one-third of those pastors could not definitely say 
that uh, they had accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So what do you expect from the rest? Why Why do you think that is? And I, I mean, is that, uh, as a pastor, and you've been how many years in the ministry? Well, I've been, we first started the ministry in 1979, started as a youth director. Mm. So you've been <laughs> in there a, a long time. Why do you think, and I, I have a thought process that we have talked about on this program before, uh, but why do pastors, number one, you know, why have they now started, or, and like you said, I love what you said, it started back in the deception in the garden, uh, and it has continued on throughout his story, history, and will continue right. on into the future until Jesus Christ comes back to the earth. But why do you think today that we do have this issue with pastors that, you know, don't understand that God has provided a way. What do they do with John chapter 14, verse six, where Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the father except through me. Well, there's many who sounded the warning back in um, the sixties and the seventies saying that if we kick God out of the schools or we say his word shouldn't be in there, mm. we'll have all these things come to pass. And mm. they have. So the, the very, simple explanation. You don't have to be a great theologian to understand. Right. We've simply gotten away from the Word. So what is the solution? Well, is to get back to the Bible. Or is, I think your daddy used to say, let's take a look in the book. Yes, sir. He would say, let's take a look at the book. And what does the Word say? And, and Rick, and I talk, Rick and I talk about that often. You know, what does God's Word say? And we have gotten away from from that. I, I, I truly think that is uh, one of the reasons why we see pastors. Uh, and I saw another report on Fox News this last week uh, where politics is creating heavy stress among the clergy. Well, I, you know, uh, I know that uh, that as we keep our eyes and, and we are uh, truly have this responsibility to God the Father, we don't worry about politics. Uh, you know, we do have political stands. We do vote right. like everybody else. But that doesn't cause us stress. But it is certainly causing some pastors stress. Why would that be? Well, it's once again because we have our eyes on the world instead of the word. Yeah. We get back to the word. Fake news has been around for a long time. This is not a recent phenomenon. It's just become so prevalent that it seems uh, so prevalent it seems recent. But once again, it's to get into the word. If you know the truth, then you have the basis to dispel any false report. And, you know, these politicians the last 20 years have said, you want to be on the right side of history? And then they state some perverted stance that they say will be on the right side. But really, if you want to be on the right side of history, find out what God says about it and stay with that. That's right. His story, that's what history is, past, His present, story. and future. We, we look at that. Uh, it does help us. And uh, we do see, and I like what you said, people are taking their eyes off God. That, that's what we talked about last week about, you know, Paul talking, uh, talking about running that race, keeping our eye on the prize, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Uh, all of those things, people and, and a lot of churches, frankly, are trying to become relevant in this world. They want to be accepted. We are never going to be accepted as followers of Christ. That's what Jesus said. Even Paul talked about it in a letter to Timothy when he said, look, unless you're suffering persecution, you're not doing 
<laughs> you're doing nothing. You're not doing anything. We should be. That that is indicative of the future. And the and would you say, Pastor, that this is a, a sign, uh, one of those, and not that we look for signs. Uh, the signs were given to the Jewish people, but it is an indication that we are living in the end times. It is, but but once again, if we'll just focus on the truth, and there's a big debate, you know, in in the legislative bodies now, does it hurt to share this with a person? You know, well, the mm. bottom line is, if you want to help them, you share the truth. If you want to hurt them, you tell them a lie. And the way we base that on is because Jesus said that if we'll continue in His Word, then we'll know the truth, and the truth will set, set you, you free. free. Amen. I love it. Pastor David Haynes, thank you so much. Jacksonville, Westside Baptist in uh, Jacksonville, Alabama, this weekend, starting on Sunday night. He has a service on Sunday morning. The conference that I will be at starts on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Monday night, Tuesday night, we're focusing on Christ, His uh, the past, his uh, the future, the presence of uh, his compassion towards lost souls. Remember, Pastor, we've always talked about this. I know you believe this. Hell was not designed for us humans. It was designed for Satan and his evil angels. But they need to be presented with the fact that God has a plan of redemption for all of mankind. And uh, he's a very compassionate God. God doesn't send anybody to hell. It's people's personal decisions that send themselves to a place of damnation. Well, thank you, Pastor. Looking forward to being with you this weekend. Well, Thank you, and we listen to your program every week. Even if I'm outside, I have it uh, cut up on the speakers out there. It comes on WTBJ every Saturday, so we enjoy it. So God bless, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Pastor. Looking forward to being with you. Well, as we're continuing this thought process about, and thank you, Pastor David Haynes. I'm looking forward to being with you this weekend. But as we continue this process today, we're going to continue a conversation that we were having with Dr. Heath Marion last week on destiny and purpose. And I think this fits in perfect with what we're going to talk about. First of all, Dr. Heath Marion, welcome to the program today. Hey, thank you so much. And yeah, they can definitely go to the website. It's heathmarion.com. So Heath, like the candy bar, H-E-A-T-H, and then M-A-R-I-O-N. And uh, they can find out a lot more about this and even talk about um, really hopefully find some resources for them, their personal lives, their business life. And and everything in between. Yes, uh, and it's a great website. Uh, and continuing this thought as we have, are talking about destiny and purpose, uh, let's just catch people up uh, quickly about what we talked about last week and what it is that you're doing. You know, every time I, I come on your show, we're talking about uh, events that are really impacting the church today and what's happening now as we're making all these transitions. So one of the topics that has consistently came up has been this idea of purpose. What is purpose? And sometimes in the church world, what we have done is we've tied purpose to here, learn about your gifts, learn about your talents so that you can actually serve in the church and find that capacity. And yet what we find is even among Christians, there are many of the Christians who are not fulfilled, they're not living inspired, and they don't have passion for what they're doing throughout the week. And God has made us to really, truly have a purpose that's not just Sunday morning. God has given us a purpose for all throughout the week, and it includes 
all the recreation. It includes our jobs, all the different spheres of our lives. And so what we want to do is I've been really focusing in on trying to help people understand their purpose, the, the why behind what they're doing. And it's not just getting through life. It's now trying to show up and say, I want to give back. I want to bring my best to this and honestly honor God and everything that I'm doing. And so we're trying to elevate really fulfillment, inspiration, passion through understanding what somebody's purpose is, that God actually gave each person a calling, a divine destiny, a purpose, a magnificent mission that they should be on, not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week. And as Christians, we are lacking that. And one of the reasons I feel like we're, we're lacking this is I think there's a lot of struggles, just like we heard on the, the previous uh, segment of your show. There's a lot of pastors who don't even fully believe the Bible right now. Isn't that shocking? That, that's amazing when you think <laughs> about it, uh, that they could be shepherding people and they don't even they don't even know who the true shepherd is. Right. So they don't understand it. And then it, it doesn't shock me that in the church, people who who acknowledge that there is a God, they're still floundering and and struggling with meaning in life, purpose in life. And so we go into these different realms of people think about purpose throughout every single stage of life. You see, college students, uh, you and I, we've worked with college students all around the world. And as we've gone in, it's a question that every college student's asking, every 20-something's asking. Mm. They're, they're trying to figure out what is their purpose. That's why they change majors multiple times in the college years. Yeah, Isn't that true. wild? That's true. <laughs> then the parents, <laughs> and then the parents get stuck paying the bill because now the kids are professional college students, right? Right. And so I, what I, I find even, it's not just a college issue. The 20-somethings, we have so many of those living at home with their parents, and they're still trying to figure out something better. They love the idea of, of giving back, but they don't even know how to find their own purpose in their life. So they end up playing video games. They end up not having any kind of passion for living and creating something. Then we get into 30-year-olds, uh, the 30-somethings. Man, they're consumed with kids. They're consumed with running to this ball game, this activity, and trying to just survive right. the 30s, right? And then all of a sudden we get to these 40-year-olds. And these 40s, uh, there's this midlife crisis. There's, um, we, you're like, well, if this is all there is, maybe I need a change. And now we find Christians having the divorce rate at the same level of unbelievers. Mm. And that frustrates me. And it's, it's a lack of purpose, a lack of understanding what their mission is. And so they, they separated their mission and their purpose, and it's no longer tied to, okay, yeah, it's great for at church, but it's not throughout the week, and they don't know how to even contribute. And then we get into, at the end of, you know, the, the empty nesters, there's the second half of life. And again, marriages are falling apart, and people lose their, their identity. Because especially men, our, our work becomes our identity. But, you know, purpose is greater than your job. Purpose is greater than your, your um, career. Isn't it interesting how we, we make these changes and all of a sudden we have a, a massive crash in our life? Just because we have this crash, here's what I, I want to tell people. You didn't lose the calling on your life just because you had an obstacle or just because there was something that happened in your life. 
So that's what we want to talk about, Jimmy, is we want to help. And then you can obviously, I, I get excited about it, <laughs> but I really want to help people navigate this. And I found that there's a lack in, even in the church world right now. Yes. And, uh, you know, and wouldn't you say it's probably because it's much more of a head knowledge and it's not a heart understanding. It's not a, that people know it in their head, but it needs to be more than just knowing it in your head. You have to know it in your heart also, correct? Oh, absolutely. We got we to gotta transition saying, okay, yeah, I know I'm, my purpose is supposed to love God and just, you know, uh, the Westminster Confession, love God and, you know, bring him glory. Okay, great. But what? how does that actually apply to my life? Right here, when we've got kids growing up, we're, in, we've, we're just trying to get through the job that we're doing. And here's one of the things that I find fascinating is when we help start tying people back to, in this moment, God has created you for this place. He's put you in the career, in the job that you're in right now with the boss that you have, with the employees that you have, with the teammates all around you. He's put you in the town, and in this moment— God is still calling you to do something in this moment. Yes, there might be a change in the future. It's okay, but there's still a purpose right here in this moment. So people are asking, how do I find purpose? And how would you tell them how in a simple elevator segment, you know, that, you know, going between floors, how would you tell people <laughs> they have to find how, how to find purpose? Well, purpose is going to be the the passion and the driving force behind everything you do. So a simple, simple exercise is when somebody says, this is what I do, I ask why. So why do you do that? What makes you happy? Mm. Why? And you keep asking why and you keep asking what. And what's interesting is even in just a, a simple job such as cleaning, let's say a janitor, when they start tying it into, it makes me happy when I see people come into a clean workspace. It makes me happy that I'm contributing to the overall business where we're making other people's lives better. I love watching people come in. So you can take a, even somebody with a cleaning job and all of a sudden it elevates when they start contributing to a grander purpose, a purpose that's bigger than themselves. So that's what I would say is we have to find and tie back into what is going to outlast our lives. And ultimately, as believers, what do we know? We know that it's it's heaven. We're, mm -hmm. we're headed to heaven, and mm -hmm. we know that Jesus is coming back. And that's what this show is about. Jesus is coming back, and if he's coming back, we have got to do something now. There's this grander purpose that's going to play the eternal game, the infinite game, and that's what we have to start tying back into, that I'm not just getting through this day. I'm going to try to impact somebody else's life for the good, and it could be just a simple smile, but I did it because I want them to know the love of God. Does that yeah, make sense? It sure does. And when you think about it, uh, everything that we are to do is to glorify God. We talked about that last week. Everything ab about our life, as we're understanding that at any uh, moment, in the next moment even, we will be standing before Jesus Christ to give an account as to how we lived our lives. That's the judgment seat of Christ, those crowns that we will receive for living a good life. Our righteous deeds determine, Revelation 19, our righteous deeds determine our wedding garments as we are being uh, the bride of Christ presented to Jesus Christ, the bridegroom. So, and, and, and the things that we're doing, even as believers, 
once we get to that point and we start thinking about, okay, in the work field, how we're doing this, uh, why I'm doing this job, it's not for the company, uh, that's always in mind, but it's more, we have a higher calling, a higher purpose. Uh, we're doing this exactly. for the Lord. And I love if, it. if I can do this for the Lord and I'm doing the best, then I don't have any problem with anybody else on this earth. Now, if I do, it's God's responsibility to look out for us. And he keeps his eyes on even the smallest sparrow. So we understand that uh, living this life, uh, going through it, how we handle adversity, issues in different places, all of that pertains really to our purpose and where we're headed to and understanding that, you know, our time on this earth is but a short time. Uh, you know, right. maybe at the most, maybe they say 70 years, some it comes and goes uh, less or more, but uh, eternity will be with God the Father in heaven. And everything that we do here as Christians really determines what we'll do uh, in the millennial kingdom, roles that we will play uh, in the future, and those crowns that we receive at the judgment seat of Christ, we lay down at the feet of Christ. Well, I love how you are taking all of this and building back in, helping people to find purpose, because certainly I think at our churches today, uh, it's really, it's misguided, misdirected purpose now. Wouldn't you say that? It is. It And what we've done is, that's why we have so many people just saying faith doesn't work. Right. And 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 it's not faith doesn't work. It's that we're we're not actually putting the right steps in. And so when I understand this idea of purpose, it elevates me to actually when I stand before God, I know he's going to ask questions regarding what did I do with the mm. talent mm. that he gave me? Did yeah. I actually maximize that? And so part of purpose ignites my fuel to say I've got to become the best version of Heath so that I can impact the greatest amount of people for God's glory. Wow. Good stuff, brother. Heath, give us, uh, Dr. Heath Marion, give us your website again. Okay. It is uh, heathmarion.com. It's H-E-A-T-H-M-A-R-I-O-N. And you can find me on Dr. Heath Marion on Facebook and also uh, Heath Marion on Instagram if they want to follow that as well. Uh, Jimmy, thank you so much for just the opportunity to be able to to be a part of your show, your ministry, and what you're doing. And I love how you're always bringing us back to Jesus is coming. So what are we going to do now? Amen, brother. Thank you. We'll talk to you again in the future. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Well, Rick, there's a lot of uh, information there to digest from both Pastor David Haynes and Heath Marion, Dr. Heath Marion, and our destiny and our purpose. And I think it's so important. And uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, our father, always thought it was important to educate the body of Christ. That's certainly correct. I mean, we focus on Bible prophecy. We look at current events. That's what we do on this program. But essentially, we are a Bible teaching program. We are looking at Scripture. And, and, and of course, we, we look at Scripture and we realize that one-third of the Bible is prophetic in nature. And that was our specialty. That is what we focus on. But more than anything, um, we focus on looking at Scripture, looking what Scripture has to say to us, and sometimes the realities that Scripture presents for us are tough, but we know that the Bible is absolute. It's the absolute Word of God, and it's complete in nature, and it's just kind of shocking to hear. As you said, Franklin Graham was posting it, just amazed to hear that this is the way that some of the leaders in the Christian community are thinking right now. Yes, and the article pointed out, which I think is a great point, 
that some of the pastors in our churches today, and there are a lot of churches in the United States, some of them don't even know the Lord as their personal Savior, and yet they are pastoring. And I think that is so important that we really due diligence when we go into a church and use God's word, understand it. First of all, we have to know it in order to understand that our pastors are teaching the correct view and what God says is his plan for the redemption of mankind during this period, which is the church age, the age of grace. And that is by providing his son who died for all of mankind on Calvary's cross for our sins. And, uh, that's the really the doctrine of salvation, if you will, salvation through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Well, I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you and I have both worked with Heath over the years and teaching in Bible schools in Romania, working with young people, having him do some things with us in Israel. And I think he's got something there that some of us need as young parents or older parents or grandparents or Anywhere in our Christian walk that we need to understand that we are heading towards a direction. God gives us that prize, as Paul called it, keep pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's so important to know where you're going in life. Certainly is. It's important to have a purpose. And to, to be honest, uh, you'll be much happier when you're in the center of God's will, when you realize what your purpose is and you're doing your purpose. And, and as we always talk about it, laying up crowns in the future. Well, we're going to have to take a break, Rick. And when we come back, a new series by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung on heaven. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about the series, loving to hear his passion for teaching God's word. And we'll hear that again today. When we come back right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we have been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. The reason that we can do that, Rick, is because we understand Bible prophecy. That's our forte. That's what we do. We use God's word to help us to understand why the world is acting as it is. And uh, it's so very important as we study God's word and we examine, we have a biblical worldview, Rick, and we're looking at these events and how they play into and leading us to uh, events that are going to take place after the rapture of the church. Right, Jimmy. And of course, the way we look at it, if these events are going to take place after the rapture of the church, how close currently or at this present time are we to the rapture of the church? And Obviously, if we know that the rapture of the church is imminent, which it is, then how should we live? Yes. You know, it's so important to study, to have study materials. Our, our website, Rick, there are places where people could go on our website to order books, DVDs, and they're all just to help you, to educate you, to give you a better understanding, correct? That's right, Jimmy. If you go to prophecytoday.com, go to our bookstore, you can see we have many great materials, DVDs, books, CD series that you can use to further your study. On today's program, we begin a brand new study on the subject of heaven. Heaven today, tomorrow, and forever. We're going to begin our Bible study on heaven looking at the man who went into the third heaven and he came back to tell that story. That's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. But before we get to the scriptures, Dr. DeYoung will share some important information about the three heavens. Here's our legacy series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. Today, our subject is going to be focusing on heaven. Heaven. 
and how we must understand the reality of heaven. I looked up the word heaven in Webster's dictionary. It said the home of God, the paradise of the afterlife, the location of departed souls. And then the last part of the definition, the sky, S-K-Y, the sky, because we use that term heaven to look at the sky and talk about the sky. And I understand that the number five book on the New York Times bestselling list is about heaven. Several Christian authors have written about heaven. But I think it behooves us to come to an understanding of heaven by looking at the word of God, which is the classic as it relates to what is going to take place in heaven, what is happening today, what will happen tomorrow, and what will happen for eternity future. So our focus today on heaven. Let me just remind you by putting up these microphone stands how end time events will unfold. The next event represented by this microphone stand would be the rapture of the church, the seven-year tribulation period, the pulpit representing the return of Christ, the thousand-year millennial kingdom, and then this last microphone stand so that we have our whole way through the end times would be the great white throne judgment. By the way, chapter 20 and verse 11 of the book of Revelation deals with the end of the world. Uh, When John was writing, he saw one on a white throne with whose face the heaven and the earth had fled away. And we'll get to this when we think about heaven in eternity future. Uh, But the end of the world, when the world that we know it today, the heavens and the earth will all burn up and pass away. But as we start to think about heaven, let's look at heaven today and see what God's word has to say about it. Take your Bibles, if you will, and go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, writing to the people in Corinth, wrote them about an experience that I think actually he experienced, albeit he doesn't make that direct of a statement. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at verse 2. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. I think Paul is most likely talking about himself. I can't prove that absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing Paul to see if he indeed was the one. But whether he was or not, the evidence is clear that there was a man he knew 14 years earlier who had been caught into the third heaven. Now that gives us some very interesting information. And we're going to be able to see in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator describes this third heaven. But indeed, we now become aware that there are three heavens. And the context with not only what Paul wrote, but John the Apostle would indicate that the third heaven is the location of God. And indeed, I believe that that's what Revelation chapter 4 and 5 will reveal to us. But the third heaven indicates that there is a first and second heaven. 
Let me define the first and second heaven and actually what is going on there. The first heaven would be what we see if you would step outside now and look in the daytime and see the sun and the clouds. That would be the first heaven. The second heaven would be in the evening or at nighttime when you would see the stars and the galaxies and all of that in the evening nighttime period of day when we see the second heaven. The third heaven would be where God the Father is. In essence, you see the first heaven by day, the second heaven by night, and the third heaven by faith. And so these three heavens are in existence, and that's what we can learn and glean from the Word of God as, uh, is a part of all the heavens that we want to understand better. Slip over to Ephesians chapter 6 with me just for a moment. In Ephesians chapter 6, it's known for the whole armor of God, how to be able to stand against the devil in the day in which we're living, you put on the whole armor of God. But there's an interesting verse, verse 12, that begins this exhortation to put on the whole armor of God that again talks to us somewhat about heaven. Chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principles and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. King James says in high places, other trans in the heavenlies. And so we must understand we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, man and man, woman and woman. We are wrestling against what would be considered angelic creatures. When you talk about the phrases used here in verse 12, when it's talking about principalities against powers, uh, against the powers and against the rulers of darkness, that would be angels that are in the heavenlies. Now, they are in the first and second heaven. They were thrown out of the third heaven when the, the Lucifer, the most prominent of all the angels, did rebel against God. And there's indication in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation that one third of all created beings, all these angels, were the ones who followed Lucifer and rebelled against God. And they were thrown out of the presence of God in the third heaven with one exception, and that would be Lucifer himself or the devil who has daily access to the throne of God and is there able to accuse the brethren. That would be chapter 12 and verse 10. The only one that has access into the third heaven of all evil creatures that are called angels cast out at the time of rebellion that has access to God. There is going to be, because of what these evil angels are doing today, and there's much on angels that uh, would be of interest to you as it relates to end-time prophecy, one of the things, according to the book of Daniel chapter 10, is that evil angels dispatched from the first or second heaven by Lucifer or Satan will come down and energize or take control of human world leaders. There in chapter 10 of Daniel, in verse 13, it talks about the prince of Persia, and the prince here, another name for an angel who would take control of a political leader in Persia at some time in history. And of course, that would have to be Haman, who had a desire to wipe out all the Jewish people. He put that in motion, and had it not been for Esther to come into the kingdom for such a time as this, that would have preceded. In verse 20 of chapter 10 of the book of Daniel, it talks about the prince of Greece. And that 
is another political leader that was energized or completely controlled by Satan, a evil angel that he dispatched to take charge of his life and manipulate the world the way he wanted it to go. And that would, of course, be Antiochus Epiphanes, the madman who the Grecian leader was that came into Jerusalem. He slaughtered a pig on the altar. The abomination of desolation took place. And indeed, he had shut down all sacrificial activity for the Jewish people uh, there in, uh, in the city of Jerusalem at the temple. And so it is that we can see that Satan is dispatching in this time and will so during the tribulation period, many evil angels to take over political leaders to accomplish his will. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11 talks about the same thing. It says there in verse 12, what know ye not that the devil is an angel of light. And then the next verse says, and his ministers of righteousness. And so in the end times leading up to the rapture, and especially during the tribulation period, Satan will dispatch evil angels to take control of men who stand behind sacred desks, and they will be satanically uh, involved in trying to lead astray all those who may be believers in Jesus Christ. And that's why I would exhort you to always have your Bible with you. When you sit to hear anyone speak, hold them accountable, anybody, whoever it is, especially me, to this word of God and make certain uh, that uh, whoever is teaching is abiding in the word of God. Uh, but in the heavenlies, the first and second heaven, Satan is there dispatching uh, these evil angels to take control of human people, human world leaders, our religious leaders here before Jesus Christ comes uh, to conclude all and set up his kingdom. Go to chapter 12 of the book of Revelation. We see now in the heavenlies, God the Father is going to come to the end of his patience with Satan and these evil angels. He's going to tell the archangel Michael uh, to take charge of all the good angels and immediately go and take Satan, cast him out of the first and second heaven cast him to the earth and cast out all of his uh, evil angels with him. Look here in chapter 12 of Revelation verse 7. And there was a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels. Now the word dragon apocalyptic verse 9 defines it. We'll get there in a moment. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. Here's the interpretation of that apocalyptic word dragon. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out onto the earth and his angels were cast out with him. By the way, verse 10 says here, the last part, for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. He's going to have this come to an end when at the midway point of the tribulation, Satan and all the evil angels are cast out of the first and second heaven. And Satan loses his access to the throne of God to accuse the brethren before God. Look what happens in the heavens. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Verse 13 indicates he's going to intensify.
intensify his persecution and destruction and ultimately hoping for the annihilation of the Jewish people. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child. Now that's another apocalyptic term. Early on in chapter 12, it defines that woman who brought forth the man child as Israel because it was a Jewish woman who did bring forth the man child, Jesus Christ. And as you continue to read here in chapter 12, you see how the devil and his evil angels are going to do everything possible to destroy the Jewish people. Verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. These evil angels led by Satan, know that indeed if they can wipe out the Jewish people, then God is incapable of keeping his promises. God is a keeper of his promises to the Jewish people. The Davidic covenant is a promise of the Jewish kingdom, the kingdom of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and that kingdom will be right here on the earth. This is when heaven will come to the earth. More on that in our study next week when we see how heaven today becomes the heaven of tomorrow. What a great series, and it's actually my favorite series at this point. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the book right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. A new media law went into effect March 1st in China, putting broader restrictions on digital Christian communities. With COVID lockdowns continuing, believers turn to online resources to do ministry. In order to not run afoul of the media law, believers have begun registering their churches and websites. But won't this increase government scrutiny? Eric Berklin with China Partners says nothing is truly underground in China. The government already knows who they are. Ask God to strengthen believers as they navigate these tensions. And many deaf live in fear of the spirit world in Mozambique. Door International's church planting teams introduced the truth of Scripture in Mozambican Sign Language. At our website, you can read about a deaf couple who used to put all their trust in tradition and charms. And then one day, the couple met Door's deaf church planters and learned about the God of the Bible. See how the Lord transformed their lives at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ruth Kramer. The book of Revelation is God's final word to man and the timeline of the last days revealed to the Christians. This symbolism-filled example of apocalyptic literature can be difficult to understand, especially when simply reading it from beginning to end. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest book, Revelation, A Chronology, takes a walk through the prophetic book of Revelation in the order that the events will take place, chronologically, sharing insights into its true meaning and doing so in an easy-to-understand and practical way. If you have difficulty understanding the book of Revelation, get your copy of Revelation, A Chronology, and let Dr. Jimmy DeYoung aid you in your understanding of this profound end-times prophecy book that God has preserved in His Scriptures for for Christians in the last days. To order your copy of Jimmy D. Young's Revelation, a chronology, call us toll-free at 877-674-3298 or visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy D. Young Jr. And along with Rick, we've been examining current events over the last hour and a half uh, looking at Bible prophecy and world events and using our 
understanding of God's word to help us to understand why the world is acting as it is. And that's what we try to help you to do. Rick, uh, we have talked about our Q&A section, and this week we've got a great question, uh, really a comment and a question, but let's get started with that. That's right, Jimmy. It's as much a comment as a question, but let me just read it to you. As a longtime listener to Prophecy Today Weekend, let me first thank you for continuing Jimmy Sr.'s ministry. My reason for writing today is to ask for mercy towards those who do not hold the biblical worldview we do. I became a Christian in 1974 while attending a liberal Lutheran church. Through time, I asked God to take our family where we could get better Bible teaching, and he did. I learned to believe the Bible more correctly and to understand the fascinating end times we are experiencing. And then she talks about most of the people in the church that she is attending right now are all millennial. So, Jimmy, she obviously has seen and heard our prophecy teaching and what we believe the Bible says based on our interpretation of Scripture. Uh, she does have some differences. Maybe you could help her as she continues to try to share the Word with those that she attends church with. Can you give her some advice? Well, first of all, I think everything that we should do, and I love what Peter said, First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, that we should be ready to give a defense, to defend what we believe. Be ready at any moment to defend the faith, to defend what we believe. Knowing the scriptures helps us to do that. Having a worldview is important. Having a biblical worldview is important. Having a prophetic biblical worldview is the trifecta, I guess, if you want to say. But it is so very important when we're understanding and helping others. You know, when we go to church, not everybody will be uh, on the same level together uh, in their walk with the Lord. Not everybody knows the scriptures, even people that have been in church for a long time. As we talked with Pastor David Haynes today uh, about people in churches and their understanding, they think that, you know, good works will get them into heaven. That's why it's important that, yes, as we go to churches, sometimes, and I remember hearing Dr. J. Vernon McGee last week, I think it was on our Prophecy Today radio network, uh, and somebody asked a similar question, should they leave their church? And no, you can be a missionary. You don't have to go to Africa to be a missionary. You can be a missionary sometimes in your own church. And I think having that understanding, but getting back to what Peter said, defending the faith with humility and love and grace and the right spirit. To this listener, I would just say, and that we all should do, is to be more Christ-like in how we treat others. Our first responsibility as a believer, after we grow to give glory to God and all that we do, and sometimes that is how we react to others in situations, and to the weaker brother. You know, you know, our responsibility is not to cause the weaker brother to stumble. And doing that, it, it takes patience. It's shepherding people. And sometimes it's not just the pastor of the church that's the shepherd. Sometimes as we're in the church, we can also be shepherds as we're helping people to understand. And not everybody's going to agree with this. I tell people this all the time. I could have a hundred prophecy teachers in a room and there would be a hundred different ways that they look at Bible prophecy. Don't let that be a stumbling block. The first thing is that people understand and recognize that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus said, there's no way to the Father except through me. 
and believing in what I have done and what I will do. So that is all very important. The next step is helping people to understand Bible prophecy. And that's what we try to do, try to give you some uh, some understanding of Bible prophecy. But, hey, we're not the end-all experts, correct, Rick? That's correct, Jimmy. But, again, what you said, we go back to Scripture. You know, Dad always said, if you disagreed with them, come back to me, see me after the service or, you know, call me. We'll talk. And I know many times he would talk with people, listeners, that called in and he would talk with them in the office and uh, he said bring your bring your don't bring your experience but bring the word of god and let's look at the scriptures together and if i'm wrong uh, i i'll admit it so I, I i do agree jimmy i think that's very uh, accurate what you're saying uh, first of all we need to study we need a second timothy 2:15 study to show thyself mm. approved unto god a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. I think that's the first thing we need to do. We need to make sure that we ourselves are in the word that we're studying, that we're not looking uh, to prove a preconceived narrative or, uh, you know, what we want, but we're looking to, this is what the Scripture says, this is what God intended to say in the Scriptures, and we're supposed to be doing that, not just our pastor, not just our, our university seminary professors, but each one of us are supposed to be doing that as well. But then again, when we are talking and sharing with our fellow believers, be humble and uh, you know, use the, uh, use the example, the Christ-like example that was set forth uh, for us in Scripture as we share and seek to all grow together as Christians. Couldn't have said it better, Rick. Good job. And I love that you brought in you know, that passage about studying to show ourselves a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So I, I appreciate that, and uh, thank you for bringing that to our attention. And thank you to this listener. I love the fact that she finishes out saying, you know, that her church and the people that she's with now, they appreciate uh, and they're trying to help the poor. Yes. And the best way that we can help the poor is by telling them that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he loves them. She finishes out by saying, thank you again for your ministry. I own many of Jimmy's books, love your broadcast and uh, your many regular participants. I miss David James, with whom I communicated with from time to time, but I see that the ministry is in good hands with you all. Thank you so much for sending that in to us. That is an encouragement to us to continue on to help the body of Christ to understand where we are. And if we do understand that, really, Bible prophecy is to motivate us to live a pure, productive life in an unholy world, to uh, understand that... uh, the times in which we're living, and that any moment the rapture could take place, or as James said, our life is like a vapor that could be taken away. And there are many people that are dying, going to hell, never having heard the gospel message. Well, that's what we use this, and hopefully that uh, we'll continue to do that. And we pray that that's our journey until the Lord comes back. And really looking at the things that we've seen today, Rick, it cannot be too far away. So, I'll see you next week, and until then, we'll keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today.